The future is now. That was the slogan for the Lincolnshire Farming Conference this week. But might the future be carbon farming? Why aren't farmers making money right now? Because farming has gotten so simple and everybody uses the same practices, uses the same crop consultants, uses the same chemicals, uses the same machinery. So there's no differentiation anymore. This is the way to differentiate. This is the way to make money again. We'll hear from Michael Horsch in a moment and later the court action that could affect agricultural societies across the country. If we lose, they'll be after them all, for sure. And if we lose, it'll be very difficult for any of the others to defend it because uh, they all operate in a very similar way. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale. Hello. An exciting time of unprecedented change. The words of the NFU's Vice President Stuart Roberts speaking at the Lincolnshire Farming Conference this week. No, he's not talking about this programme, although this is my last one, so change is coming. Yep, the rumours are true. I'm handing over the wellies I inherited from Sally five years ago to Steve Orchard, who will be in this very seat this time next week. But this week, it's still me. And what a week it's been. A new DEFRA secretary appointed and the first hearings of the Agriculture Bill. More on that in a moment. First, two different conferences this week discussed carbon farming, asking whether it's the future for some in agriculture. On Wednesday, it was discussed at the Base UK conference, while on Tuesday, Michael Horsch, the owner of Horsch, outlined his thoughts on it at the Lincolnshire conference. So why does he think it could be the next big thing in farming? Well, on one side, uh, a lot of arable farmers are are realising that we are in a red race. The red race means we're growing bigger and bigger yields, even though the yields are not getting that much bigger yet uh, uh, recently because it looks like it's capping off. Uh, the prices we're getting for what we're getting for our crops is not fantastic. Uh, the costs are going up. And me as a machinery dealer, I'm certainly not helping to bring the cost too much down, even though I think I hope uh, I like to. Uh, and on the other side, we'll have to look at some other, other ways of uh, generating farm incomes. And, uh, I mean, what is the biggest topic right now and will continue to be the biggest topic in the world? It's climate change. And uh, there's more and more people out there that believe in climate change and are willing to do something about it. And we farmers have the biggest resource in the world. We have uh, the arable land, which the way we, when we change the methods of the way we farm it, we can grow the same time crops, the same crops than before, and sequester carbon. So, so why not go for this business? You're dealing with, uh, working with some of the biggest farms in the world, aren't you? And the, the same questions, I guess, are being asked, are they, as, as are being asked by farmers here? Exactly. This is a worldwide movement. I mean, it's, uh, you, you will find this, this, this topic about carbon farming and carbon sequestering going on all over the world right now. All over. I mean, if you get into humus, you have to divide humus into uh, nutritive humus, which you cycle every year. You know, you, you build it and, you, and then, you, then you mineralize it or burn it the year after. And then the other part is the stable humus. And to get to stable humus is very complicated. It's not that easy. Mother Nature took, it, took billions and billions of years to build stable humus. And it took us only uh, uh, one or two generations to plow it out uh, and burn it. Uh, especially here in England, you know, 40, 50 years ago, everything was pasture. Uh, look, what the, look what stable humus was burned. So now it's not as easy as, uh, uh, as, as take it out of the soil to bring it back. So we have to understand 
natural ways. It's mainly based on bacterial, microbacterial uh, activity, uh, which we have to create an environment for to, to start not only building nut nut uh, nutritive uh, uh, humus, also to build more stable humus. And that's not quite as easy. It's not just going no-till and go grow a little bit of cover crop and think, uh, okay, we build humus. You, you build, you can increase uh, the carbon content in the soil, but it's a lot of it is still nutritive uh, humus, which is not very stable. Yeah. Do you think there are many farmers thinking it sounds too complicated and they're almost burying their hand in the soil and the carbon when actually they could be making money from it? Why aren't farmers making money right now? because farming has gotten so simple and everybody uses the same practices, uses the same crop consultants, uses the same chemicals, uses the same machinery, so there's no differentiation anymore. This is the way to differentiate. This is the way to make money again. And are you seeing that working elsewhere in the, in the world, around the world? People oh, yeah. are, are oh, really yeah. latching onto oh, this? Oh yeah, big time. Big time. We need it. There's a pressure from the society. You mentioned Brazil. They're massively into this, aren't they? Well, Hardly anybody wants to believe that the farmers, the, soy, the large soybean farmers in Brazil are doing something good for climate, but it's the opposite. They're the, buildest, the biggest uh, humus build in the world, but nobody wants to hear that. And it's clear we do need to make changes here in the UK. What will happen to make that change? What will happen to get people to say, yes, we need to be doing this? I'm not telling you that you have to make this change. I'm only, I'm only telling you here is a business opportunity. Don't let, it, don't let it lie there and don't let, uh, take it. And the first ones that take it up, they will, they will be the first ones who make money on it. So it's not about something you must do it. I think it's about, here, there's another opportunity of making money. And who wouldn't want that opportunity? That's Michael Horsch on the issue of carbon farming. As well as those two conferences, it was a busy week for agriculture. George Eustace was appointed DEFRA secretary in Boris Johnson's reshovel. George, of course, no stranger to this programme. We've spoken to him many times in his role as minister. Now he's secretary of state. The Agriculture Bill Committee was also appointed and started taking its first evidence this week. And among those appointed to the committee is Rutland MP Alicia Kearns. Uh, so I'm absolutely ecstatic to have joined the Agricultural Bill Committee. And I'm actually very lucky to have done so because it's decided uh, by a committee of cross-government MPs as to who should be on it and obviously I was very keen to be on it because obviously we farming is one of my priorities it was one of my election campaign priorities and it matters because we are the rural capital of food and one thing I said was that we need to get the agriculture bill moving that is what we're doing not only do I say we get it moving but I'm now on the agriculture bill making sure we have the recognition for food that should be in there one of the things that worried me greatly during the election was there wasn't enough of a focus on food within the agricultural bill and that's one of the things that I'm going to be pushing for. We need to focus on food, we need to focus on the environment, we need to focus on animal welfare and we need to focus on liberating our farmers so they can be as innovative as they want. There just needs to be more of a recognition of the fact that when we talk about farming it isn't some isolated uh, thing where you just see people kind of tractors going up and down fields. It is food production, you know, food and how we produce food and the standards of food and how we create food and support for farmers to be able to grow the foods they want in the most sensible and innovative ways and pragmatic ways is really important. That's what we need to get into the agricultural bill. MP Alicia Kearns there on the Agriculture Bill Committee, which started taking evidence this week and one we will be watching here on the farming programme as it continues its journey through Parliament. Right, on to our agronomist, Sean Sparling. Hello, Sean. Yes, good morning, Sean. A very sad good morning, Sean, I think, because it's the last one I'm going to do. It's going to be good morning, Steve, from here on in. Um, so I thought what we would do is end your tenure on the farming programme the way we started it and the way we've carried it on every single week 
through those five years and that's to talk about the weather because on Sunday the Met Office had predicted we were going to get 25 to 35 mil of rain by 11 o'clock on Sunday morning I'd had 0.8 of a mil and I was thinking fantastic the Met Office just when I needed them to get it wrong about rain they've got it wrong that helps me out on farm marvellous by one o'clock when I tried to get out to the car I couldn't actually see my car for rain and hail and I took just over 16 and a half mil of rain in just over 15 and a half minutes a very wet start to the week. Then Monday afternoon I was out at Navenby, Wellingore area and it was snowing like bilio. It was a winter wonderland out there so they'll have taken another four or five mil off the back of that. We got another eight mil in the middle of the week. It rained again yesterday. Rain today. Ah, so it's been a wet week. Very little land work has been carried out. I still maintain that as soon as you get an opportunity to go out 20 or 30 kilos of nitrogen on every winter wheat, winter barley, winter oat, winter rye, every crop, cereal crop you were lucky enough to get put in the ground last autumn is going to be in desperate need of some plant food when it starts to warm up and it starts to grow. I know we could get plenty of winter yet, but we could just as easily start getting spring very, very soon. And we only, it only takes two or three warm 11, 12, 13 degree days and the soil temperatures will shoot up to six six and a half the winter wheat winter barley winter rye winter oat they'll all start to grow and if there's nothing there for them to eat they're going to go backwards very very quickly the reason you're not seeing masses of nitrogen deficiency in the field is because soil temperatures are only four to four and a half the crops aren't particularly growing that's why we're not seeing a lot of nutrient deficiency either at the moment but the roots are very very shallow Crops like every winter cereal will put out adventitious roots, which are hunger roots in all shape and form, and that they're looking for water. Because it's been so wet, they haven't had to look for water, so they're very shallow. So the roots are concentrated in the top 6 to 10 centimetres of soil where there is no nitrogen. Therefore, 20 or 30 kilos dropped onto that. When it does warm up, they've got a little bit of food. Little and often will be the key this year. Had you put on 80 kilos last week, and then you'd got 35 mil of rain this week, on top of the fact you've got soils of four to four and a half, there would have been a faint whooshing sound as it shot past the roots and did no good whatsoever. Little and often is the absolute key. Obviously pick your fields, don't go driving through standing water, that's a non-compliant, but you may have to put your wide wheels on and you may have to make a little bit of a mess because these crops are gonna need food when they set off. Similarly with oilseed rape, now is the time to get the first half of your nitrogen split on and sulfur will be just as important in cereal crops as it is in all seed rate because sulfate will also have leached through that profile remember over the last few months since September rain the end of September when the rain started so all seed rate needs that sulfur to be in the plant ready for stem extension which will happen depending on the growth stage over the next four to six weeks it, every crop will produce an, L, an enzyme called malate which mimics the effect of sulfate so it will sort of offset some of that lack of sulfate in the soil but it won't be able to produce enough to feed the the deficiency so nitrogen sulfur based first doses will be very very important i think this spring the other thing which is noticeable is the cabbage stem flea beetle they really are setting off as soil temperatures at depth are warming up the oilseed rape is clearly starting to move and remember it's much less likely you'll see significant losses through leaching on oilseed rape because the roots are that much deeper they're more fibrous they're likely to catch more of the nitrogen as it moves down through the profile but 
pull up these oilseed rake plants, hold them by the root like you're holding an ice cream corner, get a very, very sharp knife and slice it through a horizontal plane from the leaf tips down through the stem. And if you're looking down and you're seeing brown through the heart, you've got a problem with cabbage stem flea beetle that may take that crop out. These will be the crops that last year got up to our knees and then stopped dead as the cabbage stem flea beetle ate them from the inside out. It is important you understand what you're looking at. Don't just drive past the field and think, oh, that looks nice, because in three or four weeks' time it may well not. Walk across the field, get a representative picture of what your cabbage stem flea beetle levels are in those fields. There's nothing you can do with it with an insecticide. Um, you could put a flock of sheep on, but I don't think there are enough sheep in the county to deal with the potential issues we face. So be aware make sure you haven't got a problem before you go spending an awful lot more money this spring on fertilizers fungicides etc 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 i would hate you to do that and then take 200 weight to the acre off at harvest because that was the picture we saw on some of these fields prioritize the early drilled crops because they will have had two or three generations of cabbage stem flea beetle prioritize the backward crops which were shot hold to within an inch of their life because they will have a higher percentage of larvae to leaf and just make those decisions out in the field. All is not as it seems, and we may well not be out of the woods yet. Also, make sure you know what you're looking at. A beetle larvae, cabbage stem flea beetle, has a head and three pairs of legs. A weevil larvae has a head but no legs. That'll be rape winter stem weevil. It won't cause you the problems that cabbage stem flea beetle will. And a fly larvae is headless and legless, and that's probably cabbage root fly, and has probably already done all the damage that it is going to do. So make sure you're looking at what you think you're looking at. So that's pretty much the agronomy report rounded up, Sean. But I haven't quite finished because I just want to say my goodbyes really and my thank you you are the third incarnation of the doctor on the Lynx FM farming program. I started off back years ago with Digby Scott. We had Sally Elkington for many, many years. You took over five years ago. Now we have Steve Orchard taking over, which I'm looking forward to with trepidation, but also with excitement, I think, to take us through the next five or ten years. But we're going to miss you for a lot of reasons, not just the pantomime, and I'm sure we'll see you on Dancing on Ice or Strictly before too much longer. But you have become the voice of farming as far as I'm concerned. Five years you've done this programme. You've took us to a national radio award for the best specialist programme. We beat stations like Classic FM, national stations, and you've become nationally and internationally known through the podcast for the work you're doing for farming, Lincolnshire farming primarily, but also Farming UK. Our listening figures have never been higher. They go up and up and up, and that is largely due to you, to your presence, your deliciously transatlantic voice, and to your enthusiasm, not just for the industry, but for the listeners and to make sure they get the full picture of farming. And for that, we all thank you. And it's been an absolute hoot and a privilege working with you. That other lot really don't know how lucky they are to get hold of you. And we as farmers and me as me are really going to miss you, mate. So I just want to say a huge thank you. Take care, stay in touch and uh, you, the very, very best of luck in all of your future endeavours. Oh, you're fast too kind i'm blushing thank you sean and indeed sean for the support you've given me and the program these past few years and i know you'll look after steve orchard as well when he takes over next week that's sean sparling of sparling agronomy services now as you might have heard lincolnshire agricultural society is planning to go to court it's fighting a decision by west lindsay district council to axe its 80 percent charitable rate relief the council claims that some events at the showground are now too commercial 
Let's find out more about it. Chris Rothery is from the Society. We are a charity. Um, we are a charity that dates back uh, coming up to 152 years and that we purchased the uh, Lincolnshire Showground in 1958 with the explicit purpose of running an annual show which was in the original objectives of uh, the organisation from 1869. So we're building on what uh, has been um, a part of the society objectives from day one and we have a fantastic showground today that is used for the show. If we didn't have the show we would not own the showground and I think that is the basic problem that they don't understand and they are citing other events that we hold here that, um, yes, we draw income from to help cover the costs of running the show. If we didn't have any letting events here, then the cost of the show would escalate dramatically. Uh, they don't understand the fact that the, uh, the ground needs maintaining all the year round, even though the show's only two days. Um, so I think it's, it's a, an impasse. Uh, it looks as though it will end up in court. We believe, and our uh, legal advisers believe, that we will win the case because we think it's absolutely right what we're doing. So it's, it seems if you run a smaller show, put the prices up and then do nothing else with this land for the rest of the year, then you'll be OK. That, that is, is that kind of what Westlands is saying? That's sort of what they're saying, yeah, absolutely, which is, to me is a total nonsense. And uh, I think the, the big gap of understanding is the fact that when we're here and there isn't an event going on like tomorrow, all our staff are busy doing maintenance jobs. You know, they're clearing drains, they're clearing leaves out of gutters, they're repainting things, they're polishing the floor, all the sort of things that you have to keep doing, irrespective of whether you use the showground more than once a year or not. And, and other shows, are they, you know, societies like yourselves, are they taking an interest? Are they watching what's happening here? They're watching very closely and uh, if we lose, they'll be after them all, for sure. And if we lose, it would be very difficult for any of the others to defend it because uh, they all operate in a very similar way. Some more than others, some have got nice buildings like we have, um, some just put up marquees. But at the end of the day, they've got a showground to hold their show for the benefit of their county. And that's what this is all about, that's what the society is all about plus the add-on of all the uh, educational aspects that we do today that are very difficult to quantify in rating terms but the fact is that we have two, two full-time uh, officers today on the education side getting out schools, educating kids that come in here um, and you know, a huge impact on, on local knowledge of school children about farming. Chris Rosary there at the Lincolnshire Agricultural Society. West Lindsay isn't commenting at the moment. The council tells us that because of the legal dispute, it's unable to say anything right now. The NFU, meanwhile, is backing the society. Vice President Stuart Roberts was at the farming conference on Tuesday. What is the Lincolnshire Agricultural Society? It is a charity. It is delivering some phenomenal outcomes. If I look at some of the statistics people are showing me today, 6,000 school children at the show. Um, and I am really, really worried that that is being ignored um, and actually will get in the way of this charity delivering some very important charitable outcomes. And its implications as well for other societies across the country? Absolutely. So I would know of numerous societies up and down the country with very similar objectives, with very similar uh, business models. Um, and I think actually this potentially has wider implications, which is why, you know, I, I just hope the society here get the right outcome. Um, it is a really important issue.
issue because actually it gets to the heart of what an agricultural society is here to do, which is to deliver charitable outcomes and engage with a population of people, both young and old, about what agriculture does, why it does it and why it's important to society. The views there of Stuart Roberts. Again, it's one we will be watching over the coming weeks as that continues, particularly with those implications for societies not only in Lincolnshire but around the country. Right, on to grain. Let's get the latest. Kit Dickinson joins us from Open Field. Morning, Sean. Well, the general consensus after the heavy rain on Wednesday night is the opportunity to drill winter wheat is over. Varying reports from 12 to 18 mil have been talked about around the county. Bearing this in mind, will this affect the new crop market as we now have a better idea of the exact area that has been drilled? And if it does, will old crop follow? After the currency change earlier in the week, the UK wheat is very expensive and buyers could look to find cheaper sources if currency doesn't weaken again. If you have a look at the USDA report, all of the focus is on 2019 harvest. I'm struggling to see much negativity in the report. Maybe funds were expecting something better. We must remember that Harvest 20 is the one thing that has been leading the prices, not spot, and in reality, not much has actually changed. Wheat took the largest hit in the USDA report, but it's technical selling. The US actually increased their export numbers and lowered their ending stock numbers to a five-year low. World ending stocks were also moved lower, and the report confirmed what we already knew, that Russia is slowly removing itself from the export business. They are still the number one wheat exporter, but they are now 27% behind last year. Romania were today's main successful bidder of Egyptian wheat. Moving on to all-seed rate, reasonably quiet wheat for all-seed rate with a large gap between buyers and sellers. Sellers are not taking the lower values in the last few weeks and have been holding out for the price rise on the back of political uncertainty and the coronavirus. Limited change to new crop, we still have poor quality and a lower area, which should be bullish for new crop prices. But we are yet to see the market react to this. Barley. Feed barley is currently all about the exports and currency. We have, we have been delivering a lot into the East Coast ports and the currency change earlier this week has meant we are no longer competitive in the world market. As a result of this, bids have dried up since the middle of the week and we have seen a large surplus of barley. Barley is currently trading at a £25 discount to feed wheat for old crop, which means it is a cheap alternative if we can build it into the ration. But looking further forward, the new crop spread is £27 to £35 and has the potential to expand even more. Given the surplus the UK is likely to carry over and the large crop currently being drilled for Harvest 20, it is unlikely we will see a rally in the barley market anytime soon. So looking forward to malting barley... Of the 1.8 to 1.9 million tonnes of malting barley bought by maltsters, we would suggest that 98% has now been booked up. In fact, even by the end of October, over 1.6 million metric tonnes have been booked, leaving just 150 to 200,000 to complete their buying for the season for 19 crop. Maltsters will not go into the season of 2021 with huge stocks due to the increased spring barley area in the UK, specifically England, and their views will be that the produce will be a large barley crop. This scenario is mirrored in Europe with very little interest coming to us, the largest exporters of barley from the UK and from continental molsters. Beans internally, there has been no change in demand from the seasons for millers and compounders. There is still export demand into Egypt for feed beans. This trend has been building over the last two years and we are also seeing processing plants to find cheaper beans to make them into human consumption buying opportunities. Although human consumption is still in demand, the UK is struggling to find a significant volume to the market. 
So prices this week, feed wheat for February is 145 to 147. For March, 149 to 151. May, 151 to 153. And November new crop, 158 to 160. Milling premiums are currently £22. Feed barley for February is 124 to 126. For March, 126 to 127. For May, 128 to 129. And November new crop, 129 to 131. Malting premiums are circa £5 currently. Oil seed rate for February, 319 to 321. March, 321 to 322. May, 322 to 324. And November new crop, 311 to 313. Beans for May, 218 spot. November, 176. Human consumption premiums for winters are £10 and £20 for springs. Thank you, Kit. Kit Dickinson from Open Field. Just before the weather, let's return to the Lincolnshire Farming Conference in the week. Andrew Ward was there. I couldn't have a final show without Andrew making some kind of appearance, even if just here on the podcast. Uh, How was the conference for you, Andrew? Well, I think we've had a a really good afternoon. Uh, For me, the day started with with chairing the session upstairs regarding uh, the land agents looking at a a case, if you like, um, a scenario where a farm hasn't got a will made or the parents haven't got a will made. um, And so looking at various scenarios with the help of land agent and a solicitor and a bank so that was really good and then the conference inside was was brilliant the way we've had i think the whole day has really just nicely flowed if you like and we had the session with a small robot company and lincoln university talking about automation and robotics and i think that session was just brilliant because everybody was enthused there was 400 people in there was really taking attention at what was said and you could have heard a pin drop i think everybody's really engaged with that the future is now is what it was entitled do you think people have walked out of their thinking yes the future is now and we've really got to grasp it i think they have yes as always and i've had a few people today a little bit skeptical about about the automation and the robotic side of it and wondering if it really is going to get to where the robot company and um, Simon Pearson from Lincoln University say it's going to get to in such a short space of time but I'm really convinced it is and that's why I've invested and that's why I'm helping the small robot company so I think yes it, it, it is and it's, it will be here quicker than what a lot of people realise. We're going to hear from the small robot company uh, and Lincoln Uni in the coming weeks here on the farming programme with Steve but you, as you mentioned there you have been working with the small robot company yes. already haven't you how's yes. that been going on your farm? Well I, I thought I wanted to get involved with them from the start. If you're involved at the start um, you can help direct it if you like and you can help shape things whereas if you join it halfway through um, or even later you very very quickly get left behind and for me being involved with them and particularly helping uh, the robots identify uh, grass weeds and black grass obviously has, has been the main target um, is, is really really great and I think it's very difficult to, uh, to, uh, for, to distinguish between a black grass plant and a, and a cereal plant and to help the company do that but I think the way that they spoke today and the way that everybody's interacting with them for me as a personal point of view I'm really proud to be involved with them right from the start because I think in five years time that company's just going to go woof. 
I really do. But just if I could just carry on, Sean, um, and just uh, mention my from my point of view, thank you for all you've done for British farming and, more importantly, Lincolnshire farming. You've took over from Sally a very, very difficult position with your agricultural knowledge, and um, I hope you don't mind me saying, not being um, at the top of the, at the game. Your way you've conducted it, the way you've gone about aim, um, enhancing the farming show and the way you go about the whole programme is fantastic. So thank you from the bottom of a Lincolnshire farmer's heart for what you've done for the county oh, thank farming. you I wasn't expecting that. thank you very much and uh, i hope you'll uh, steve is stood next to me who's obviously going to be taking on the show as we mentioned earlier so uh, i hope you'll uh, give him as much support and he'll be just as good for you i, I certainly will and hope you'll be able to put up with my waffling steve so thank you very much <laughs> the farming program Five-day forecast. Yes, on to the weather then, and Storm Dennis is making himself felt just a week after Storm Kira hit. Uh, further rain this morning could be heavy, more showery later on. Windy as well, those winds from the west-southwest gusting at 55 miles an hour for a time. Highs today, 7 Celsius, as indeed they will be for much of the week. It'll stay blustery, but the wind's not as strong tomorrow. Some sunshine as well. The wind itself still from the west-southwest, nearer 25 to 40 miles an hour. Tuesday and through the rest of the week, well, we're being caught between an area of low pressure to the north, high to the south, so that could bring further wet and windy weather. Wednesday itself does look relatively calm, though, and as I say, highs this week really staying around 7 Celsius, with our lows of 3 or 4 Celsius. For now, though, that's the forecast, and indeed, that's it for another week's farming. And for me, well, it's time to hand those wellies on to Steve Orchard. It has been a a real honour presenting the programme for the last five years, winning the Best Specialist Radio Programme Award nationally, seeing our listening and download figures break all records, thanks to your support. And I hope you will continue to support the programme. It's uh, a rarity, you know, in commercial radio to have a programme like this. And now, more than ever... It feels a vital part of what's happening in farming at this very moment. That link between the industry and those who uh, use what you produce as well. Take care of Steve for me. He'll take care of your programme, I promise, following in the footsteps of Digby Scott, Sally Elkington and myself. He's going to be brilliant. Every week, I personally am amazed at how you battle on against whatever challenge is thrown your way. And boy, has there been some challenges over the five years that I've been sat in this seat. I've often asked many of you why you're in farming at the moment, but I know I speak for many when I say I'm really glad you are. Until we speak again, keep up the good work, take care, and from the farming programme, from me, Sean Dunderdale, goodbye. 